Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello and welcome to Better Living, a show about the people and organizations that make an impact in our area. I'm your host, Nick Carissimi. Two organizations that know each other very well on the program today. In the second half of the show, I'll be speaking with Tina Burrell about financial planning, specifically financial planning for long-term care. We start off with an organization based in my hometown of Grapevine. Shonda Schaefer is the executive director of Grace. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you very much. Uh, so like I said, I grew up in Grapevine. I bet Grace is probably the first nonprofit that I had ever heard of or, or been aware of. And recommended by many previous guests. I'm glad that you're here. Talk to me about this organization. What is Grace? What do you guys do? Sure. Well, thank you again for having me. Um, Grace is located in Grapevine, as you mentioned. We are um, pretty much the largest social service agency in the Northeast Tarrant County area, meaning Grapevine, Colleyville, South Lake, West Lake, and Roanoke. Um, and we provide a variety of, ex- of of services because we're kind of the only ones that do that. It's a pretty big variety. But our primary focus is helping families that are suffering from some type of crisis. And, of course, as you can imagine, there are a variety of different causes of that crisis, so therefore the programs are varied as well, Um, whether it be a financial crisis, a medical issue, um, domestic violence. Um, We work with seniors that are isolated. So there's a a lot of different programs that kind of all are geared to making life more bearable for a family that's going through a crisis. As I mentioned, I've known of this organization for a long time, but I didn't really realize how many different services that you provide. I was looking at your website, which is gracegrapevine.org, and there's a list of different things that you guys are doing. You're helping out kids. There's a food pantry, um, transitional housing. Um, there, There's a, a medical clinic. There's a lot going on. Uh, but your main focus, you're saying, is helping families in emergency situations. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Has that always been where Grace's heart is at? Is that what you guys have normally always done? Exactly. And and so we're about 32 years old. And so 32 years ago, there was a group of churches who were all being approached by families in the area that needed very basic things. Homes, uh, were they were living in tents out by the lake, so they needed food and clothing, um, maybe a, a help with gas uh, to get to work, things of that nature. So each of these churches felt very inept and unable to really get to the root of the problem and help these families in a, in a significant way. So they came to the table and said, hey, take religion out of the picture. We're all on the same page. We all want to help these people. What can we all bring to the table, and can we coordinate all all of that. And that's how Grace was born. So it was a collaboration of many of the local churches. Some of them were able to commit to bringing food and others brought clothing. Others had a small financial budget they could contribute. And then they just kind of started coordinating it that way. So our founder, Tricia Wood, was just an amazing woman. She was actually volunteering as a church secretary at the time and got involved with this collaboration and, um, and created the organization. So... 
32 years ago, we had a budget of $5,000, and now we're significantly larger and doing a lot more work. And, of course, the area has changed significantly. I, that was going to be one of the things that I mentioned. Yeah. 32 years ago, Great Farm, it might as well have been on a different planet. Uh-huh. Very, very different, pl- uh, very different place. Um, but the way that you describe the, how the community came together to help – it sounds like great fun to me, especially you know back in the back in the day. Yeah. How long have you been with the organization? So I'm in my twelfth year. Really? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I took over for the founder Trisha um, about twelve years ago when she retired. Did you or had you been working within the organization for a long time? I was actually on the board of directors, so uh, I've been in nonprofit work and actually worked uh, in Dallas with a couple of other organizations. But I live in Grapevine, and that was where my heart was, and I absolutely adored the work that was going on there. So that was my volunteer life was working with Grace. And then when she retired, okay. of course, the, my fellow board members asked if I would consider, and I jumped on the chance. So nonprofits have always been a part of your life. It is, yes. Was that from uh, when you were a kid, or is, it, is, it, is this a family thing? You know, my family has always been very committed to social causes, um, so definitely it was part of the upbringing. I actually got my degree in elementary education and kind of fell into this by doing uh, adult education. I was teaching uh, adults uh, at a literacy level of about fifth grade level. And so that's how I kind of grew up in the social service world. Always, always a part of this area. I yeah. love that. Um, Shonda Schaefer is the executive director of Grace. Their phone number, 817-488-7009. I do want to talk about all of your programs and stuff. But before we started the interview, you mentioned that you guys have gone through your own little emergency. We have. Lately as well. Yes, so yes. Uh, there was a fire that took out your medical clinic mm-hmm. and also severely damaged your food pantry. Do I have that correct? You're exactly right. And it was really quite devastating, of course, to be on the other side of the table and, and finding the agency in a crisis. But uh, it was April 11th, about 1030 at night. The wonderful folks at Grapevine uh, Fire Department called us and said, you may want to come up here. Um, so by the time I got there, they, of course, the fire department was phenomenal. But um, to walk around the corner and see smoke billowing out, of our clinic was just heart-wrenching and you know my first thought was um, we had clinic scheduled for 930 that next morning and my first thought is oh my gosh how are we going to serve these people we are literally their only option Um, there you know these are folks that have no other health care were it not for this clinic and some of them are significantly ill Um, so that was my first concern Um, and as time went on I started looking in through the windows and seeing all of the stuff that had gone up and and knew that I know what it took for people to contribute to this Mm. this cause and so it's heart-wrenching to see somebody who to see things even though they're just things but to see these things that were given from such a lovely place in someone's heart to try to make good and to see all of that up in smoke you know medications and materials it was it was really heartbreaking I, I will say of course, nobody was hurt, nobody was injured, which was a huge blessing because it was a pretty significant fire. From the time you got the phone call to when you actually showed up, what did you know? How <laughs> did you realize how bad it was going no. to be, or did you just think, "Uh oh, better get down there"? And- yeah, no, I, I was, I was shocked. I was hopeful, I guess you could say. For one thing, it was in the middle of the night, so I was somewhat drowsy. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I was hopeful that it was somewhat of an overreaction. Maybe it was just a small, you know, something. Um, so yeah. Uh, in fact, Chief uh, of Fire Daryl Brown was standing there when I walked around the corner. He's a friend, and and he kind of prepared me. He's like, "Okay, it's it's big." And as I currently came around the corner, I mean, my knees just buck, 
sparkled. I just mm. couldn't believe, uh, you know, what I was looking at. It, it was real interesting. And I know on radio, it's hard to imagine. But when the door opened, they were in doing some investigation already. They had a, a light shining into the space. And all I could see from this charred door and smoke billowing out windows was an illuminated wall on the back. And on that wall was a wooden cross that was given to us by a client who had been so grateful for the service she had made this by herself. And I'm standing out there, and I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm in tears at this point because I'm just a mess. But all I could see was that cross. And I got to say, for a, a, a faith-based organization like us, it reminded me that God was going to be with us through this and that we had the love and support of our community, and it was it was going to be okay. I didn't stop crying, but I did <laughs> notice, and I did take note of a the fact that— A little bit of comfort. That, yes, it was very comforting. Were you able to salvage the cross? We did. It's sitting in my office right now. We've got to get it framed because it's going to go in the new place once we get well, very, construction very back. good. Yeah. Were you able to use any of your services or any of the expertise that this organization has gathered over year, over the years to deal with your situation? Absolutely. And and Grace enjoys a, a really wonderful relationship with our community. I mean, we couldn't do what we do without the folks in, in our area. And, and immediately um, we had uh, just, I can't even count the number of calls and stop bys from people. What can we do? What can we do? And I mentioned the clinic that was supposed to open at nine o'clock that next morning. By 930 that morning, we were down the street at the local church hosting a pop-up clinic. All of our volunteer providers, doctors, nurses, pharmacists, gathered what they could from their own offices and came with their stethoscopes and, and medications. And we were able to serve every one of those clients that morning. And within 24 hours, we had made arrangements with the city of Grapevine to actually utilize their now vacant old police station, and so which is just down the street, very a perfect location. And they have just been wonderful. So we, we literally didn't skip a beat. The clinic was seeing patients throughout that transition. Our food pantry, as you mentioned, that was damaged by smoke, we took about three days before we could get all the food mobilized. Because, of course, we had to start from scratch. All the food was gone. Um, but the community was just immediate. They were out there filling up the, the boxes with food. And and it, it was amazing to see. Um, it was exhausting for everybody, but it was just so cool to see people people who, who just, uh, they t grace is personal to them. They know what happens there. And, and so for them, it was as personal for them as it was for us. And so they were going to do whatever they could to make sure that those services weren't interrupted. This is obviously a tragedy, but it almost sounds like there's a silver lining to this. Did this horrible circumstance actually reaffirm your work with this organization and your feeling of community that you've gotten through grace you're exactly right and i'm going to tell you i think it's that cross that was the first reminder of that because there is of course a silver lining in that um, crisis brings people together and the togetherness that creates grace and makes us so strong was never more visible than it was right after that fire. Um, just uh, incredible support that came forward. And, and and yes, it helped us with the, the transition, but it also gave us the shot in the arm that all of us as staff needed because, as I said, it was exhausting. We were there all night, and for weeks we were, we were you know, shoveling out soot and dirt and, and trying to uh, take care of that. But we were never alone in that. It was always family and uh, friends from the community there to support us. And, and sometimes, that crisis can bring people together and remind us what kind of work goes on in there every other day. Um, so it was a good reminder for the community as well to remember what services are offered there. Crisis management is probably going to be the, the biggest test for a leader. 
were you prepared for something like this or had you dealt with anything of this magnitude before? You know, I, I don't know that you can ever be prepared for something like that. I will say, um, you know, Grace has been through trials and tribulations like any other organization. Um, our biggest asset is our people. And, and I have been blessed to be surrounded by a leadership group of our board of directors that were phenomenal, but even our team. I mean, we've got 60 employees, and I'm telling you, every one of them knows why they're there and what, what they're supposed to do and how they can contribute. And they're just the best people you'll ever meet. And and I am just so blessed to be surrounded by all of those folks. There wasn't a missed beat. Everybody jumped up and knew how to help and, and what to do to do that. We, we just were so incredibly blessed to have those teams. I want to use this as a segue to talk about the services that the clinic provides and also talk about the food pantry. But let's talk about, while we're still on the subject, where you guys are at with with both of those things. So what is the status of the medical clinic and the status of the food pantry and the future of those two things? Sure. Uh, So the clinic was a complete loss. It was down to the the four walls. We kept the four walls, but the, (laughs) uh, yeah, (laughs) but everything else was a complete loss. So um, they've, they've cleaned all of that out. We're down to the studs here and the pantry, although didn't have fire damage, did have significant smoke damage. So all of the contents were, were destroyed. Um, Interestingly enough, that that was a Wednesday. On Monday before that, we had just started some uh, work. We purchased a property next door to the pantry and clinic and are actually in the process of building a new facility in which we can house all of our programs at that same location. Wait, so you guys were already in the process Absolutely. of building <laughs> yeah. a new building? Yeah. Yeah, when it they all had literally went just up in smoke. started exactly. Wow, it was crazy. And honestly, that's what I my, one of my first thoughts when they called me. I was like, "Which building are we talking about?" Because we now <laughs> own two on that same block. But um, so it's been a coordinating nightmare as we've been progressing on the building of this new facility and attaching it to this charred facility and layering all of this on top of each other. It's been a little crazy, but. Um, so, so the point is that we're already uh, working on developing a better facility to serve our clients better. Um, and again, the silver lining may be that we weren't planning on doing any work in the clinic and pantry. But at this point, now we know what the bigger plan is, so we can make a few adjustments to the rebuild to even even be more efficient. All right. Were any canned goods salvageable from the food pantry? Do you know there were a few that were stored pretty tightly that yeah. we were able to salvage, but honestly, most of it was... I was thinking if anything survived, yeah. that'd be it, but... And, you know, the health department told us that there were some that we could we could salvage, and we just didn't feel comfortable with that. If we could smell it, <laughs> yeah. it was not going to be something I'd want on my table, and I'm certainly not going to uh, provide it to a family to put on theirs. Very good. All right. So l- let's talk about some of the uh, programs and services that you guys do provide. We're talking about the clinic. Mm-hmm. Let's get more into it. Who Who is coming to this clinic? What services are you providing? So I mentioned we're the only charitable nonprofit clinic in our area. And in fact, very few are not federally funded or have some other type of restriction. So we're privately funded, uh, which means we rely on the generosity of our community. But that gives us this huge flexibility in order to serve anybody that walks in the door. And of course, we have our standards. If they have, if they don't have insurance, if um, if they don't have any other method of paying at uh, any other facility, they would be eligible for what we do. Um, what we find is we become the medical home for people who are chronically ill. So um, 60% of our clients are either diabetic or pre-diabetic. Um, most of those didn't even know that before they walked in the door. 
the good news is that's a, a disease that can be affected by education and information. So we spend a lot of time working one-on-one and in groups with a lot of these folks to make sure they understand how their lifestyle can affect this disease. Um, but that's obviously not limited to just diabetes. We really work with um, families. We've got a lot of folks that have heart issues. We have um, just day to day. We have um, you know, there's a few that we have diagnosed with cancer in our clinic. Unfortunately, we're a little bit limited on how far we can take some of the the, the treatment. But we're really, um, you know, our clinic nurse manager Shirley is really great about finding other resources. If we've gotten to the extent of what we can provide, she can, uh, you know, she knocks on a lot of doors and gets some services donated so that we can continue to make sure the client is is served. But it is the only uh, place for a lot of folks uh, other than paying for cash at the emergency rooms. Has diabetes always been such an issue with you guys, or is that something that has developed more recently? You know, it's recent. Um, we see that it's a significant issue, specifically in a Hispanic population. Um, and again, education and information is so critical because with just a few tweaks to the diet, they can make a lot of uh, significant lifestyle changes. Interestingly enough, too, with diabetes, or actually just with all of our clinic clients, the um, the, the rate of, of compliance is significantly higher than the average. In other words, I think I think what that says is folks like maybe you and I that have an insurance or other options, we don't take our health as seriously. And and so for these folks who some of them have never seen a doctor in their adult life, when they get an opportunity to get that information, they take it very seriously. And they enroll themselves into the walking club and they come into the cooking classes and learn how to change their lifestyle. So their compliance rate is so significant that we see phenomenal outcomes from our programs because of that. So I, I don't know that I can answer whether diabetes has always been an issue, but I do think with the increased population, um, We've certainly seen more of that. How many people are you guys normally helping? We'll see about five to 600 a month in our clinic. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot more than I thought, actually. That's a really good number. Yeah. And, and a lot all, of these people are, are, let's say, returning? I'm not sure. Some of them, because we are a medical home. Right. So some of them are follow-up. Um, some of them may come in for one issue, it's solved, and we may never see them again. Um, but but a lot of them, and they'll know that they can come back if they need to, but a lot of them are in more of a chronic situation where we're going to be seeing them more regularly. Gotcha. All right, so that's, that's one half of the buildings that yes. have been burnt down. Let's move over to the food pantry while mm-hmm. we're still kind of in that zone. Uh, I, I think this is probably one of the things that you guys have done for a really long time. Yep. Is it always been a big part of Grace? It is. And it's really how, again, back to the founding uh, group, food was a big basic necessity and um, and obviously something that anybody needs, they need it. It's not something that you can judge whether you you know are hungry or not. So we have a philosophy at Grace uh, that anybody who asks for food will receive it at least once. Um, and we have that philosophy and we're able to do it because our community provides a lot of uh, contributions and we've got the ability to do it. But literally, if you you came to the door today and said, you know what, I'm hungry. We're going to make sure you've got at least food for a week and longer if need be. We'll talk with you. If you come back, we'll have a conversation about why you're not able to provide food for your family. And we're going to look for other opportunities to help make that more stable. But we just believe that food is not anything anybody should have to go without. Um, we're really, uh, we really focus on what we call self-select 
model, which means we want to preserve your dignity. If you're coming in for food, we know you're already down on your luck and you're not feeling really good about yourself or others. So we want to create an environment in which you can maintain some dignity, which means you get choices. So our pantry is set up just like a grocery store. You get a shopping cart, you get a voucher of a dollar amount, and all of the food is priced in a way that you should be able to get plenty of food for at least a week, most likely two to three weeks. But you get to choose the brand. You get to choose the flavors. Um, you get to choose whether you want beans or carrots. You you can choose all of that on your own. You know your dietary restrictions. You know your, your cultural uh, restrictions. So we really focus on that self-select model and It does provide us, especially because we're connected to the clinic, it provides us a huge educational opportunity. So... Do you yeah. guys incorporate those Absolutely. too? So maybe somebody is diabetic over mm-hmm. at the clinic and they got to figure out what is good and, and bad for their new diet and you just bring them over to the clinic or That's exactly to the food how pantry. it works. That's exactly how it works. So someone who has just been recently diagnosed can walk over with our nurse or a doctor and go into that pantry and look right at the labels. These are things you want to avoid. These are things that are going to be helpful for you. And they can literally do that. And then we also have the cooking class, which does this very similar. They can learn how to go into the pantry, do their shopping, and and walk right over to the kitchen and learn how to to create a tasty meal. And it's uh, a lot of fun, and it's very educational. Have you guys put a premium on the idea of prevention as opposed to just helping? Because, you know, you explained it in the beginning that you guys are really about emergency response. Mm -hmm. If someone's in crisis, you're going to help them basically no matter what it is. But we're also talking about a lot of prevention and making sure that you don't get into an emergency. So has the organization shifted a little bit towards that? We have. Um, we do quite a bit on education and prevention. We, Unfortunately, we don't see people until they're sick, um, which I suppose is the same for any doctor's office. Yeah, but right. um, but uh, as I said, as a lot of these diseases and a lot of these ailments can be addressed. And so we spend a lot of time on what we call care coordination, which is one-on-one time, really digging into that medical history and their environmental history and what kind of services can we surround that person with that can be more prevention. Um, and, and again, huge successes in that area. In fact, we've recently been recognized for some pretty uh, amazing outcomes with regards to cardiac care um, nation, or, uh, excuse me, statewide at the uh, charitable clinic level. Shauna Schaefer is the executive director of Grace. You can find them online at gracegrapevine.org or give them a call at 817-488-7009. One of the things that I absolutely had no idea that you guys did was transitional housing. Yeah. So uh, have you guys been doing that for a long time? Uh, about 20 years now, yep. And okay. it, it came from a need, obviously, that we were seeing a lot of women um, and men, but a lot of women that were leaving an unsafe situation. They were homeless and for some reason could be domestic violence which is primary Mm. but it could be economic um, and so they were homeless we don't have an emergency night shelter in the northeast tarrant county area so most of those folks were going to the shelters in the fort worth area once they've got their safety established, um, they were ready to move out of the emergency uh, situation, but had no means to be self-sufficient on outside of those walls. So what we created was this, exactly as it sounds, a transitional program where families could move out of the emergency shelter and, and live with within this program for up to two years, and we work on intense individualized case management. So that means, depending on what 
caused the homelessness to begin with, that's probably one of the primary issues we're going to work on during that two years. We're going to make sure that they have a, a, a sustaining income, which means they may need to increase their education or certifications to get a job that will provide them with a livable wage. Um, if there are domestic violence or other legal issues, we provide them with services to make that, um, to deal with that during that period. Um, nationwide, this is a program that happens throughout the country, and nationwide the success rate is about 50%, meaning that only about 50% of the folks that go through these programs are actually self-sustaining at the end. Um, Grace consistently has been in the top 10% in the country at an 85% success rate. Um, and I think it's because, I will tell you, my belief system is because of the, the community in, that we have in Grapevine. The volunteers that surround these folks during that period is so phenomenal. They become a part of that community. They go to school with your kids. They go to church with you. They eat in the same restaurants. They, they work and live in this community so that when they're completed in that program, they're set. They're in that community. They've got a support system. And, and it's just so phenomenal because it's, it really is sustainable at that point. Do you guys have your own housing facility yeah, we do. We have half and half. So half of our program is uh, in a, a small efficiency style apartment complex. So we have about nine clients at a time living in that area. Usually it's women with uh, either in single women or women with a, one child. But when we get into families that are larger or more complex, then we go out to the community and we'll rent apartments within the community. And in those apartments, once they complete the program, the lease is in their name. They've they've secured two years of good, solid credit. They can live and stay right where they are. And kids stay in the same school they've been in for the last two years. Very, very community-based. That's really cool. I didn't realize. So you, you, you go through all this work, and then you don't have to pick up and move again. Right. Exactly. And if they're in one of our apartments that we have and they have to move out to something else, of course, we help with the transition. But all of the furnishings, everything that they they get when they move in, furniture, clothing, I mean, Q-tips and hamburger, all of that is provided when they move in. When they move out, they take all of that with them. So they have, and we help them move into the apartment they can afford in a community that works for them, uh, and they, every, they've got their start. And, and we also do supportive care afterwards to make sure they stay stable. Grapevine has been a growing community for a long time. It's mm -hmm. getting large now, but I've always felt that it retained that small-town vibe. To me, it sounds like you're, you're blaming a lot of the success in the organization on that small-town feel. Would you agree with that? hundred percent. You know, periodically, because we've gotten some national attention with the success in this program, I'll get a call from out of state and say, would you come up and teach us how to do this program? And I'm always happy to do it, but I also preface it by saying, I'm not sure you can take what Grace is doing here and plop it in any other community and see the same kind of success. It's so it's so dependent on on the wonderful neighbors that we have out there that, that I'm not sure it would work in Seattle, Washington. <laughs> I'm happy to tell you what I know, but I'm not sure about that. It's just, it's so dependent on Grapevine. Let's talk about volunteer opportunities. Mm -hmm. I know that you guys are always looking for different volunteers and to do different things, but uh, how, how can people get involved with the organization if they want to help out? Sure. So we depend on about 5,000 volunteers a year. Crazy number of folks. And, and I could 
I, I have yet to find someone who has a true interest in helping that we haven't been able to put a good match to. So depending on what your 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 gifts are, if you're an accountant, I can put you to work. If you want to work directly with children, we have a phenomenal feeding program over the summer that feeds 800 lunches to kids every day during the summer. You, anybody can do that. You know, you can slap together a peanut butter sandwich. You're qualified. Um, so there's a lot of opportunities there, and and we have a, a wonderful volunteer manager. Um, Laura, who who spends a lot of time with everybody who's interested to see what your skill set is, what your gift is, what you want out of your volunteer experience, and how we can best match you to the needs in the agency. And for those listening that want to actually take part in your services, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, if you are in need um, for either services of any kind that I've described or others, certainly you can check the website. As you mentioned, there's a lot more information about each program that we have. Um, And then there's also information on how to contact a case manager. So definitely, if there's a family in need, please take a look there or call the number that you mentioned, um, 488-787-4887009, and we will do our best to try to come up. If we don't provide the service, a a good amount of our service is what we call resource and referral. So if there's something unique to you that we're not the best provider, we're going to hook you up with the right people. I thought it was interesting. On your website, I did notice that you list all these things, emergency assistance, the clinic, the food pantry, and then also your resources mm-hmm. as something that you provide it's it's yep. It's on there as a as a service. Exactly. And there are so many wonderful other organizations out there. We don't need to duplicate those services. For example, veterans uh, programs, we're not experts in that area by any means, but we know the people that are. So if you come in and you have um, that as a resource, as a veteran, we're going to want you to talk to the right people. No reason for us to keep duplicating that. So we do our best to keep up with who else is out there and what they're doing, and we want to make sure you get the best services. We, we, we don't... We don't fight for anybody. We want to make sure that we we can get you to exactly where you need. All right. As far as uh, closing things up, I do want to mention you have a big fundraiser event happening in October. You have the Grace Gala happening on October 6th over at the Gaylord in Grapevine. If you want to attend that, details can be found on their website, gracegrapevine.org, or just give them a call at 817-488- 7009. I've been speaking with Shauna Schaefer. She's the executive director of Grace. It has been wonderful speaking with you, and I hope that you come back. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me.